Peg, do you think that if I could afford a family vacation, I would take this family? Come try our vein-clogging, heart-stopping, all-fried buffet. All-fried? <laughs> Even the lettuce? <laughs> oh, but look, Al, I guess we can't go. The rooms only have twin beds. <laughs> hey, saddle up, lasso the young'uns. We're Branson bound. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This is Luigi, and today we're broadcasting live from Branson, Missouri, and we are at the Deliverance Inn in the Ned Beatty Suite. And I'm here today with my uh, partner in crime, Chris Gunter. And I'm Chris, and I'm just sitting on the porch, swing, listening to the light rain, beating on the tin roof, baby, just me and you, rocking with the rhythm of the rain. Wow, we have a singer. That was incredible. (laughs) And uh, today we have a special guest co-host, Sheila. Sheila, welcome back. Hi, thanks so much for having me back, and I'm happy to report that I am not six months pregnant by Billy Ray Cyrus. (laughs) (laughs) we are reviewing season 11 episode 7 the jugs have left the building original air date december 1st 1996 director jerry cohen writers vince chung and ben montanio special guest stars tammy wynette as herself brent hickley as cletus nicole nagorski as daughter Richie Montgomery as the MC, Doug Reed as Buford, Dan Reed as Elmo, Lucky the Dog as Lucky the Dog, and Maureen Costa as the mother who's uncredited in this episode. Peggy wants to take a holiday in Branson, Missouri, but Al says he can't afford it. The prospect of all fried food, including lettuce, and only twin beds available, however, make him change his mind. Lucky has to stay behind in the care of the Darcys. Then Marcy feels the urge to act out a dirty fantasy as the Bundys. In Branson, the Bundys get a room at the Deliverance Inn. Peg and Kelly take part in a country music talent contest. So welcome back, everyone. Team Chris and Luigi, uh, we haven't been on for a couple of weeks. You guys haven't heard from us, uh, let's see, since uh, I guess it was the beginning of August. So we are happy to be back. And uh, it's happy to have Sheila back with us. So, Sheila, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me back. I had so much fun the last time. I had to come back a second time before you guys closed this out. Yeah, you know, like I said, our Australian fans are really happy to hear from you. <laughs> I was very happy to get some of their comments the last time. So, uh, so Sheila, tell us about uh, your podcast and like what you've been doing lately with that. Thanks so much for asking. So yeah, so over at Pod Clubhouse, we're gearing up for the return of Yellowstone for a big season five return, probably in November. I don't think they've really announced a date yet. So we're going to gear up for that. And the latest things I was working on were some things in true crime, which is my other passion. I 
I like true crime and I swear that I'm not a psychopath. Oh, man. <laughs> I love true crime, Sheila. We could talk. We could oh, talk we can talk. For, so we covered the thing about Pam that was on NBC a couple months back. And we okay. also covered Candy, which was on Hulu. Uh, that was back in May. So we kind of took a little bit of a summer hiatus because it was too hard to schedule everybody for everything. But right. I am watching something right now. It's on Apple TV. I'm probably going to be doing something very soon on it. It's called Blackbird with uh, Taron Egerton and Ray Liotta in his last on-screen performance. Wow. So awesome. it's uh, developed by Dennis Lehane. If you know who that is, that author, he did Shutter Island He's done a bunch of things, but like Shutter Island is the thing that kind of like springs to mind. And this is very much in that similar vein. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is so good. So if you've seen Shutter Island, I would definitely check out Blackbird on Apple TV. And then we will be doing a podcast very shortly on it. So thanks so much, Luigi, for asking about that. It's always fun to to cross pollinate these things and see where we can pick up a new listener or two. Yeah. Last week, podcast heard from a gentleman by the name of Alan Stair, and he runs the WKRP podcast. Oh, for real? That's With his so wife, cool. Donna. Yeah. So uh, it's, um, you know, we, we have, a, I mean, our, our focus is on comedies and sitcoms, obviously, but, um, you know, it's good to hear, you know, other shows that are out there. And we know that our listener community likes other things. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're not necessarily all of a one track mind, maybe except for the Married with Children co-hosts. But other than that, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think all of us do watch other shows from time to time. Well, sometimes yeah. if you're watching true crime, you need a palate cleanser. You need something safe like Married with Children to come back to reality from. <laughs> hey, Sheila, you'll uh, you'll probably laugh at this. So, you know, I mentioned to you I love uh, true crime. I end up having to censor my posts on Facebook to stay in order to stay out of Facebook jail. <laughs> oh, my I've God. Got, I've gotten dinged a couple of times. And usually it's just me talking about a case. But right. I, but I, you, as you, you know, trigger uh, some of those words. Exactly. As you know, true crime has some some very graphic words and terms that are related to it. <laughs> and yes. I get dinged for some of my posts. So I end up having to put, you know, asterisks for. Right. Uh, uh, to clean up words. some of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can't really say decapitated, you know. Exactly. Enough, like, you know, wor <laughs> words like decapitated will will immediately raise red flags in, in all genres, as they should. So I have yeah. a very funny little story for you. So earlier I was I said to my husband, I said, listen, I said, I want to just run upstairs real quick. I just want to watch the episode one more time just to, you know, have it fresh in my brain right before we start. And he says, okay, he says, so we were just finishing up making dinner. He's like, okay, great. He goes, go upstairs and watch Ted Bundy. And I was like, I'm sorry. Ted Bundy. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. I was like, that's the other genre that I like. I, I, the Ted Bundy genre, the Al Bundy genre is what I'm doing today. He's like, oh my God, what did I just say? So then my nine-year-old kid is like, well, who's Ted Bundy? We're like, uh, like the worst human being possibly that's lived in, so, I don't know. So we'll, we'll answer that in about 10 years. <laughs> yeah, a couple centuries. And he's yeah. like, is he alive? I said, no, the state of Florida killed him. He's like, why? So yeah, so there's gonna be a whole bunch of Ted Bundy questions later on. <laughs> yeah. Well, interestingly, Sheila, uh, Chris and I will be reviewing this episode entitled Grime and Punishment, which is episode 12 of this season. And there is a is reference. The next to, one? Uh, the next no, episode? no, this is episode seven. In, oh, this uh, is seven. Okay. In, in five weeks time, thereabouts. Uh, so, and there is a reference to Ted Bundy in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't have a, a, a third a third leg scheduled, I'm available <laughs> to talk well, Grime and Punishment. You know, Luigi, I'm sure you probably know this. The Bundy family was indirectly named after Ted Bundy because Michael Moy and uh, Ron Levitt were big wrestling fans, so they named him after uh, King Kong Bundy. But King Kong Bundy was named after Ted Bundy because he was a big true crime fan himself. Because, you know, Ted Bundy was really big in the 
in the 80s. Yeah, 70s Tom and Bundy 80s, yeah. Up. So the you could kind of sort of say that the Bundys are indirectly named after Ted Bundy. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, and there you go. Now, actually, you know, uh, just, just, just before we kick this off, you know, so Sheila, so since you've known me for such a long time, uh, I'll share this little tidbit with you. So one of the last words that are spoken on this episode is the word degenerate. Mm-hmm. Right. So we interviewed at the beginning of the season, Rich Scheidner, who played Luke Ventura. He was Al Bundy's first co-worker in the shoe store. And uh, I was telling him about how I was, you know, barely I wasn't yet nine years old when I started watching Married with Children, and I saw him in his first run, et cetera, and, and he called me a degenerate. So now I wear it with pride. <laughs> Why? Because you were nine years old watching Married with Children? That's right. Well, there was a whole bunch of us who were nine years old watching Married with Children because, like, that was the thing. Yeah, so maybe we should call ourselves the degenerates. Yeah. I'll, I would wear that with pride, especially with especially being called it from somebody from the show. I would definitely wear that with pride. I'd put that on a T-shirt. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Michael Moy even got chuckle out of that uh, when, I, uh, when we interviewed him and I told him that. So I appreciate it. But anyway, uh, let's get underway. The title for this episode, The Jugs Have Left the Building, is a reference to the phrase, Elvis has left the building. All right, uh, Elvis has left the building. I've told you absolutely straight up to this point, you know that he has left the building. He left the stage and went out the back with the policeman, and he is now gone from the building. As we all know at this point, if you've been listening to the podcast, season 11 has a completely different format than all previous 10 seasons. So we start out with a cold opening. And Al's on the couch, and Peg is standing behind him. Hey, Al. Have you seen my curling iron? Now, Peg, think. Why would I take something that makes you look better? (laughs) Now, stop bothering me. I'm on vacation. You know, that one week out of the year, I get to sit on my butt, allowing yours to experience light and air. What we need to do is take a family vacation. Why don't you want your kids to have at least one happy memory besides your funeral? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're going to bury me when I'm dead? Dead, napping, not looking. (laughs) Once again. I have to deliver your mail just because the mailman is afraid of getting attacked. (laughs) Our dog doesn't bite. It's not the dog he's afraid of. Oh, Peg, not again. We just got the pizza boy to drop the charges. So, you know, they trade all of these, like, standard jokes. Now, like, what's your opinion on this? Because, like, they go back and forth at first, and, you know, they're talking about, you know, we need a family vacation, and uh, Marcy comes in and says, well, you know, the... The, the mailman doesn't want to deliver the mail because he's afraid of getting attacked. And, you know, Al says the dog didn't bite. And it's she says it's not the dog that she's afraid of. And it's like Peg hanging her head in shame, you know. <laughs> she was laughing. Katie Seagal was laughing. I appreciate that. When they lose it, like when they're doing the, the scenes, especially in front of the live audiences, I love when they lose it. I love it. And they also got the pizza boy to drop the charges. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, my travel brochure came. Well, now, why would you send away for a travel brochure? You know I never take you anywhere. 
to Branson, Missouri. Entertainment capital of, uh, Missouri. <laughs> so they make reference to Branson, Missouri. Now, this was the first time I'd ever heard of Branson, Missouri. And a few years after this episode, I was actually in the state of Missouri for two weeks for work. Uh, this is in 1999. And, you know, they all had all these references. I remember seeing these brochures. Now, mind you, I was on the other side of the state. I believe it was like at least four hours away, but uh, I had never heard of this as sort of the uh, country music uh, Disneyland. But I mean, have you guys ever heard much about Branson? Uh, I have. I have some friends that have gone there. I I've never been, but I mean, I've seen some photos. It looks pretty fun. I mean, especially if you're, I mean, Nashville is the country music capital of the world, but uh, you could say, you know, or I guess you could say Nashville is sort of like Hollywood for country. And you could say that Branson is sort of like Orlando because, you know, Orlando has Disney World and all that because Branson ha does have a lot of attractions for the country music scene. Yeah, okay. I guess you could think of it that way. Uh, what kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. And I had heard about Branson... I've known some people who've gone there. There's there's a very large Irish music contingent that travels through Branson every year. So like the Irish tenors have gone there. The, the different Irish acts have gone there. So if you haven't already guessed, Sheila McGann is a very Irish name. We have a lot of Irish connections. And believe it or not, a guy that my mom grew up with in Ireland, he had like a residency in Branson for a number of years. So he's a comedian and he just lived in Branson. He was working out of Branson for about four or five years. Just like a headliner at one of the, the hotels. So yeah, so I'd heard about Branson before, but uh, I've never been. Yes, yeah, same here. And, you know, and Sheila, one of the reasons why I wanted you on this episode is because this episode has a lot of music. So, <laughs> you know, you are probably the most musical person that we've had as a co-host. So uh, you could probably comment on some of that. Although I'm not sure if that's the genre of music that you um, oh, I like them appreciate. All. You, 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 you like country? I do. I do. Okay. I'd say I'm like more of a rhythm and blues type of guy. Like, you know, country is sort of not my thing. You know, Chris and I have, have joked about this, right? Uh -huh. I'm, yeah. I'm more of a New York City hick when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I appreciate I appreciate just like all different types of music. So country, was, you know, like even just the other day, I was like, oh, I feel like listening to like my country little playlist. So I had just a few little songs to brighten my mood. <laughs> you know, it's not very uplifting all the time. So a uh, little bit more about Branson. Branson has long been a popular destination for vacationers from Missouri and around the country. Besides the numerous entertainment theaters for which Branson is known, other local attractions include the Hollywood Wax Museum, Branson, Silver Dollar City, Whitewater, Branson Top Ops, Mount Pleasant Winery, Dolly Parton Stampede, Zip Lines, Cave Tours, Go-Karts, Mini Golf, and more. Ripley's Auditorium is housed in the building that has been made to look as if it cracked wide open by an earthquake or other disaster, while the Titanic Museum is a half-scale replica of the famous ship and iceberg. Interesting. That all sounds very interesting, but why the Titanic in Branson? I mean, this is a complete offshoot, but it's just, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of landlocked. You know, the Titanic was built in Belfast, <laughs> you know, sank in the middle of the Atlantic. Maybe you should go out there and learn them, right? Uh, that all sounded wonderful. You had me at go-karts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, well, like I said, it looked like it was uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, Married with Children didn't go on uh, site for the, uh, <laughs> like it wasn't an on-site shoot. Yeah, there was no location. I didn't see any yeah. Branson, you know, sort of highlights. <laughs> no. This was very reminiscent of the time they went to Las Vegas. Like they just set up a, a, a little set and, you know, sure enough, they did that. Yeah, definitely. I got the same vibe. Now, the opening is a little reminiscent of The Goodbye Girl, which was ep- season six, episode 22, when Al takes a vacation on the couch. Yeah. It would have been funny if the, if he would have set up the, you know, the baby gate barrier thing around the couch like he did for that, <laughs> just from, from a continuity standpoint. But <laughs> Hey, I can't take you on a vacation now. But Larry there would miss us. <laughs> That's lucky. <laughs> And I'd be happy to feed him. To what? Peg, do you think that if I could afford a family vacation, I would take this family? Come try our vein-clogging, heart-stopping, all-fried buffet. All-fried? Even the lettuce? Oh, but look, Al, I guess we can't go. The rooms only have twin beds. <laughs> hey, saddle up, lasso the young'uns. We're Branson bound. <laughs> Al doesn't want to go, but when he finds out that there's a, um, a vein clogging, heart stomping, all fried buffet, which includes the lettuce, uh, <laughs> and the room has twin beds, <laughs> he's uh, he's very happy Deal to go. Deal is just uh, getting sweeter and sweeter. You know, <laughs> his eyes are bugging out of his head. You know, I, I'm going to, I'll make you laugh. So, so you both know I was recently on vacation. So I went to Scandinavia actually, you know, during the Alex and Dan chase days, they, they sort of laughed about that uh, when they, when I was talking about my vacations. So you know, interestingly, like I'm in these hotel rooms and sure enough, it's like twin beds. Uh, I was even in a room with bunk beds and I'm thinking to myself, this must be contributing to the low birth rate in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, those Europeans, they like to condense on space, especially, you know, like you're in Scandinavia, right? So you're in Sweden, you're in Norway. Where's Ikea from? Ikea is from Sweden, right? So like all this like space saving stuff. You got to get creative, you know? I know. I mean, I was looking for the Swedish bikini team. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Alga. (laughs) Yep. As I was walking around, Chris, that's all that was in my head. (laughs) One of my favorite lines. We go to the opening credits, and now we open up in Branson, Missouri, with the family. Yeah, I told you we'd make it to Branson on less than a gallon of gas. Oh, please. You chained our car to the back of a Greyhound bus. (laughs) So Al's very happy that he made it to Branson on less than a a gallon of gas. It's a creative man. A creative man. So Al had chained the car, his car to the back of a Greyhound bus. Now, it's interesting to note that Greyhound, during the 90s, had emerged from bankruptcy uh, due to a driver's strike in 1990. Today, it's still the largest inner-city bus common carrier, serving over 3,800 destinations across North America. And I did take a bus when I was in Scandinavia. I took, a, believe it or not, a 10-hour bus ride. But uh, Ooh, if this was like this was like a luxury bus. Oh, then I ten mean, hours is not so bad. It wasn't bad at all. 
But, you know, and I, I can't say I've ever rid, ridden on a Greyhound bus, but I have seen some. And, uh, well, I have. Big difference. <laughs> I, I've ridden on Greyhound buses. And I lived in Australia for, if anyone remembers me from the last podcast, I lived in Australia for two years when I was in college. And I did a lot of traveling when I was there. And on a poor college kid's, you know, non salary, I took a bus from Sydney to the equivalent of almost Nebraska, down to Texas, back up to Nebraska equivalent. And then I was like, are we allowed to say bad words on here? I was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm flying home. I said to my mom, I called my mom. I was like, I can't do another 10 hours on a bus. I can't. Because it was one of those horrendous coach buses with like the seats that were worn down in 1975. <laughs> and wow. there's no, there no bathroom. You had to wait till a stop for a bathroom. It was pretty awful. I bet that was tough because I've driven in uh, Australia before. And once you get out of the big cities, the the back roads are something else there. <laughs> yeah. So, so all right. So if you're familiar imagine. with Australia, I took a, um, a bus from Sydney down to Adelaide, from okay. Adelaide up to Alice Springs, Alice Springs back to Adelaide. And then I flew home from Adelaide because I was like, I can't mm. do it. I can't do another. It, it ended up being like, I think it was 24 hours on a bus from Sydney to Adelaide. Ooh. Wow. It was rough. I mean, well, at the time, I mean, if you'd known uh, the great Annabelle, right, she could have probably uh, put you up. Uh, I know. It's like, what place, a kind right? of shedder, like, yep. if I had known. <laughs> uh, although I think, uh, you know, Annabelle would have just paraded you around to her friends, like, tell them your name. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Tell them your name. I know. I was, I was a bright and shiny toy there for a while. <laughs> it was all good. It was all in good. Uh, Only consider changing my yep. name once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, why can't we just have suitcases like normal people? Well, we did. Until the handles came off those detergent boxes. Yeah, so one of the things we learned is that the Bundys, uh, they don't have suitcases. So they have garbage bags for their stuff. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But the, the detergent boxes broke. Correct. This is They had uh, handles on the detergent boxes. That was the opposite, right? So they came with garbage bags. <laughs> We get introduced to this character, and his name, again, was uh, Cletus. This is played by <laughs> Brent Hickley. So he plays the uh, clerk at the Deliverance Inn, where you'll squeal like a pig at our hospitality. <laughs> Howdy! Welcome to the Deliverance Inn. You'll squeal like a pig at our hospitality. <laughs> Especially you. Uh. <laughs> We're on a family vacation and we want the best accommodations, 20 bucks and these aluminum cans we buy. <laughs> May I suggest the Ned Beatty suite? <laughs> There's a back door. <laughs> to go home. It's great here. We've only been here 10 minutes. You made a new friend. We'll take it. Deliverance is a 1972 American thriller film produced and directed by John Borman and starring John Voight, Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, and Ronnie Cox, with the latter two making their feature film debuts. The infamous rape scene of Ned Beatty's character in the movie Bobby is where the phrase squeal like a pig comes from. And uh, someone put a note here. I'm not sure if it was uh, Luigi or Annabelle, but uh, it said, 
It used to be believed that Ed O'Neill was in the movie, but he is not. Uh, but there is a guy in the film that looks just like him. So, Yeah, uh, you know, also they, they make a reference to a canoe trip later, and that, that's one of the scenes as well from that movie. Okay. Uh, they, um, and Sheila, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Dueling Banjos. Yep, that's it. From That's the famous, like, <laughs> uh, what'd you think of that film? I assume you've seen it, right, uh, Sheila? Yeah, I, it's been a long, it's one of those ones you have to watch. It's part of like the, the lexicon of pop culture. Um, I didn't really understand, I guess, a lot of it when I, <laughs> when I saw it because I was younger. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've seen parts of it again, I'm just like, this is a pretty cringeworthy movie. <laughs> but I guess in terms of launching the careers of, of like John Voight and Ned Beatty, you know, it does stand the test of time. I did I did see it not too long ago. But yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting uh, <laughs> sort of um, I, yeah, it's a thriller. Yeah, because you're you're kind of on the edge of your seat, not knowing. Because it's, it's I'll say this: it's not like a movie I've seen before up until that point. But I, w- I would agree with you. Yeah, that's probably the, you can cut out a lot of the other stuff, but I, I I'd say that it's probably it's 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 worth watching because it's not something that you've seen sort of done before. You can kind of most thriller, most action movies are kind of, you know, they they follow a format, a template. This one didn't feel like that to me. Right. I mean, and uh, you know, Cletus makes a comment about, you know, may I suggest the Ned Beatty suite? There's a back door. So I mean, that's a double entendre of the rape scene. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't want to take away too much from the movie for those who haven't watched it. Uh, I know if you know the old crew, right, Chris? Uh, they would be all over this, right? Right. Yeah, I, I've actually never seen it, so I need to add that to my list of things to see. So, Yeah, I, it's been quite some time since I've seen it, but uh, it's definitely a very memorable film. Yes. I was in high school when I saw it, so I, I really, like, some of the stuff was hearing it for the first time. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's got some big names for the time, John Voight and Burt Reynolds. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and the other thing I want to make a comment about is the set itself. Uh, the set reminds me of when Peg and Marcy go to Las Vegas after Steve leaves her. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it almost looked like a redressed version of that set. Yeah, I always wonder. Yeah, it would be interesting if we could ever get, uh, if, if we could do it, if we could interview someone that worked behind the scenes on sets and such, how that worked. Because th- there's a number of times where we'll see a set you know, like I'm trying to think of an example. This example right here is a perfect, perfect example of what I'm talking about. Like, obviously, they didn't keep that set built up for because that, what, what, that was season four, right? And we're in season 11. Correct. So yeah. I don't think they kept that set built for seven years. <laughs> I assume they tore it down, you know, but did they rebuild it exactly the same or did they have a, a set that was similar there at the studio and they just redressed it? Like, it'd be interesting to know how they did that, because there's a number of instances like that, you know, where we'll see, you know, a room. And then, for example, like the season five, you better shop around the two part grocery store episode. There's another uh, episode, I believe, in season. Is it nine or ten where uh, Al is locked inside the grocery store because the the computer breaks down and he, he wants to get home to see Hondo? It has a different grocery store name, but the set is very similar, very reminiscent, you know. And there's two different camping episodes that we have over the years. Like, I wonder. That's true. And you know, one of the things is, you know, I love how like Al says it's you know the best accommodations twenty bucks and these aluminum cans will buy. <laughs> 
30 more cents. Yeah, that's a, well, that's at least they have some continuity because remember last season, the the uh, the beach episode, Al starts uh, collecting cans for change. Remember? That, that's right. So there's it. Uh, yeah, let's give them some credit for continuity. And they're promoting recycling, all good there things. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, married with children is not usually known for continuity, but hey, they're. You know, Al's growing as a person. He's, he's recycling. He's collecting cans. <laughs> but, you know, there's trouble in paradise uh, because uh, Peg has gone shopping. <laughs> Where's my wallet? Howdy, y'all! Oh, God, the gift shops. Al, it was worth all your money. The sales girl says it's a brand Sony original. One of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I love her line. She says, Al, it is all worth your money. So effectively, they're broke again. You know, style has not ch- In country music, uh, for ladies, the styles have not changed much in the last tw- uh, 25 years, I'll say. Because, I mean, I, um, I I went to a Carrie Underwood concert just a couple of months ago, and I saw probably hundreds of women dressed exa- almost exactly like Peg there. <laughs> So, what? You know. What? She she has a Bransonite original. What, what do you mean? <laughs> well, very similar to that, similar in style, <laughs> but it really hasn't changed much in twenty five years. Yeah, and you know, Sheila, I have to say, you know, uh, Chris always sends me photos from those uh, concerts, so I think he might convert me to be a country music fan. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. It's very lady heavy, especially. <laughs> we have a callback to a famous line that we've talked about before. And usually it's said by the kids to Al, but this time they do it to Peg. Now what are we gonna do? First, let's thank your mother for finding a new way to ruin our lives. Thanks, Thanks, Mom. Mom. (laughs) And it's thanks, Mom. The original line where it comes from is National Lampoon's uh, vacation. When Beverly D'Angelo says, you know, thank your father, kids, and they say, thanks, Dad, so. Uh, Married with Children borrowed that, and we've heard Thanks, Dad, many, many times. And this is one of these instances when it's Thanks, Mom. And we haven't heard this one since Season 9, the bingo episode. It's kind of surprising that we went uh, about a season and a half, roughly, without hearing that, when you think about it, you know? Because it was such a staple, uh, in particular, in the earlier seasons. Okay, so... I mean, there's all these jokes that go back and forth between Cletus the Clerk and Bud. And second, this vacation is over. Now help me push the car back to the bus station. (laughs) When does the next bus to Chicago leave? Tomorrow. Which means you can join us for our complimentary canoe trip. I mean, we could talk about it sort of at the end, but it's like I feel like they could have made like the deliverance jokes and moved on, but they seem to have stuck to them throughout the episode. And uh, I don't know, like, what, what's your opinion on that from a comedy perspective? I mean, I guess it was like they wanted to to drive home the point that this they were connecting this to deliverance. But I, I don't know, without the without sort of the deliverance shtick, they were kind of missing another small plot line to fill up the time. So I don't know if that's what they were reaching for because it could have been done the first two or three jokes and that, that could have been it. And maybe like one callback at the end, but yeah, like you said, like it really kind of 
threaded its way through and just kept coming back. And and the, not for anything, but like the jokes just got more cringeworthy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the Ned Beatty suite has a backdoor wink, you know, <laughs> that's kind of, you know, kind of cringy. But I don't know. I, I from a comedy standpoint, I mean, I laughed. I laughed through all the jokes, but like upon reflection, it was like maybe they just needed like a little bit more of like a shtick to kind of fill up that that time. But I, they just decided to go with the deliverance. Yeah. You know, and we talked about this before when we reviewed uh, on the last episode review, which was our first one for season 11, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, Kelly's Got a Habit. I mean, the style of comedies changed dramatically season 11. Yeah. People in general say season 11 is the weakest. And I'm going to use this scene, these scenes here as an example. It's almost like typically in, in Married with Children, there would be like, again, like a joke, like joke A, and you have a setup for that. And then you might have a couple of other jokes. And then there's a payoff to joke A, you know, maybe five minutes later yeah. right, in, in another scene. And there's a lot more creativity to the way the jokes are set up. Whereas here, it's very much rapid fire. Yeah. And it's like you're, you're getting the punchline very quickly and you're moving on. Like there's no yeah. like sort of callback. So to me, the construct, like the problem that I have with the episode thus far is the construct. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like on its own, the jokes are funny. But then, like, when you start looking at them together, it's like, wait, like, why didn't you, like, spread it out or just have something else? Well, you know, the analogy that I gave, I think it was Stephen uh, Scott that really liked it, is, is like the baseball analogy where, you know, you have hitters that are swinging for the fences every single time instead of getting base hits. Singles and doubles win baseball games. But, you know, when you're swinging for the fences every time you end up losing, that's sort of like sort of like this. Like they're hitting the home runs. I mean, they're 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 getting some they're delivering some jokes that are laugh out loud funny that make you laugh, but they they're not getting the base hits. They're not getting the singles and the doubles. So you don't have a you know you you have in a in a married with children episode in in the, in, in the middle of season four and five, you're laughing nonstop for 22 minutes straight. But in these season yeah. season ten and season eleven episodes. You get a nice laugh out loud joke, and then the next three or four minutes might be, eh, meh, eh, you know. And then you they get kind another, of fall then, flat. Right. Then you get another home run, and you laugh out loud, and the next three minutes is, meh, meh, meh. You know, that's what it is. They're, they're hitting the homers. They're just not getting the singles and the doubles. Right. And, and what I'm saying, if I used to use the baseball analogy, is I'm looking for the grand slam. Yeah. You know, when the bases are loaded, when like all of a sudden you got the one joke that ties it all up and like really like, you know, like makes it memorable. Yep. Mm -hmm. You got it. So and and that to me is sort of like the scenes in Branson really lack to me the Grand Slam. But we have a scene that comes up that to me is actually my favorite part of this episode. And that's Marcy and Jefferson back at the Bundy house. (laughs) Oh, I can't believe they didn't lock their door. Would you lock a landfill? <laughs> oh, poor Lucky. Look, he's so hungry, he's chewing on one of Peggy's bras. <laughs> yeah, well, he's probably looking for crumbs. <laughs> so, Marcy and Jefferson come in to feed poor Lucky, and uh, Lucky's chewing on one of Peggy's bras. <laughs> <laughs> I kept expecting Lucky to talk, by the way. Uh, he like I was it, expecting that too because I like that is definitely something I remember. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like it, 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 it seems like they missed a couple of opportunities for him to talk. I mean, you know, normally over the years, whenever Lucky and especially Buck say, says something, yeah. it's usually pretty funny and usually pretty, it hits pretty well. seems like they had a couple of opportunities to go with that, but they didn't. Right. And according to the great Annabelle, Lucky does not speak this season. That's another change. Oh, okay. You know, so last time we heard Lucky speak, and that was the voice of Kim Weisskopf in season 10, that was it. So we just have to sort of see what the dog does in terms of, like, you know, running around the set. Now, Marcy and Jefferson talk about (laughs) role-playing. And, uh, you know, what I find... What I find funny about this is I don't think like this is something you would typically see on a network comedy, right? Like, you know, again, like a couple talking about role playing. At least not in 1996. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's right. I mean, like, again, you know, taking in, it back the way we look at it in December of 1996. Well, Jefferson, let's go home. It's Saturday night and you know what that means. The Romanian coach and the limping gymnast. We did that last week. So the first one is the Romanian coach and the limping gymnast. (laughs) I have to say this entire segment with uh, Marcy and Jefferson, I was just laughing out loud, probably very inappropriately, but I mean, they just tickled me in ways that I, I hadn't thought about in a very long time. And to me, like, I feel like this was this to me. I mean, without, you know, showing my hand for the for the review, this is to me the gold was here. This is the most more memorable for me than the whole part in Branson. The Romanian coach in the limping gymnast was a famous thing that happened uh, in the 1996 Olympics. So probably many people have forgotten about it today. And and if you're below the age of 30, you probably don't remember it. Uh, So, Chris, you want to tell us about this? Absolutely. The uh, we're talking about uh, Carrie Strug, right? Yep. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So Carrie Strug is an American gymnast from Tucson, Arizona. She was a member of the Magnificent Seven, the victorious all-around women's gymnastics team that represented the United States at the 1996 Summer Olympics, and is best remembered for performing the vault despite having injured her ankle and for subsequently being carried to the podium by her Romanian coach. I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but uh, Bella Carolia. Um, Paroli. Caroli. Uh, there you go. Caroli, yeah. Caroli. All right. And uh, yeah, it was a memorable moment. I think anyone that was alive at you know at that time remembers that. I was 12, I guess, and I, it was very memorable. It was an amazing moment. Yeah, I mean that that image of like you know the coach uh, picking her up. I mean because these gymnasts are like what are they like four foot eight and they weigh like 80 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. You, you it's know? all muscle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, hey, how about Woody and Soon Yi? Mm, too much talking. Yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, they, they take a jab at uh, Woody Allen. <laughs> and, and, you know, Soon- this, is, this isn't the first time uh, that they've uh, made comments about Woody and Soon Yi. Yeah, so another reference to Woody, Woody Allen and his girlfriend's adopted stepdaughter, Soon Yi, Preven. Well, we talked about this in Season 7, Episode 6, Frat Chance. Allen and Preven were eventually married in Venice, Italy on December 23rd, 1997, which was one year after this episode aired. Yeah, I believe they're still married, correct? Yeah, that sounds about right. I can look that up real quick. You are correct. He's still, um, yeah, still married to uh, Soon Yi. Wow. 
All right. Well, I mean, that marriage lasted a lot longer than uh, I guess people thought it would. So God bless them. I want to do something really different. Something dirty and trashy and cheap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so so they talk about like role playing. They wanted to do something dirty and trashy and cheap. With the bra, Peg's bra is inspiration here. <laughs> now, uh, so we cut to Marcy and Jefferson dressed up as Alan Peg. Peg! <laughs> Come home! <laughs> Where's dinner? <laughs> Working its way through my small intestine. <laughs> Surprised any part of your body is willing to work. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever thought being them could be so much fun. <laughs> Al! I want you to come upstairs and try to last longer than a new Fox sitcom. <laughs> Who cares what you want? Pleasure me, shoe drone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the audience reaction whenever uh, Jefferson walks in the door, and especially when Marcy walks down the stairs, it was wild. (laughs) I mean, they're they're howling. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I have to give, I mean, above all, I have to give Amanda Bierce a lot of credit on that. I mean, like, because she's just, she's into it. Like, she's bopping, you know. She's oh, doing she's the- fidgeting all over the place? Yes. <laughs> she, yep. She's doing her best impersonation of Katie Seagal. I mean, and I think she hit a home run. Like, I give her the most credit acting-wise on this episode. And, uh, you know, she sort of, the, the, the scene ends with her telling uh, Jefferson to come upstairs and try to last longer than a new Fox sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that cuts deep. Because this is Fox. This is what they've done forever. They, they are known for this. They, they still to this day are known for this. They have shows that are great. And they're just a little bit outside of like the mainstream. And like there was a show from a couple of years ago called The Passage with Mark Paul Gossler. And they canceled that after one season. And there was another one that still cuts really deep, Prodigal Son. It lasted two seasons and they cut it. It's like, no. So that one cut deep. So 26 years later, I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we cut back to Branson. Al has uh, uh, Bud, like, I guess, what do you call it? Like in a wheelbarrow type of pose? And I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got some more pennies, Dad. Forget the pennies. Go for the quarters. <laughs> hey, there's a silver dollar out there. Oh, God. I'm drowning. Ah, you big baby. Pain damage doesn't set in for four minutes. Ask your sister. (laughs) Now, there's one subtle line. He says, you know, Bud says, Dad, I'm drowning. And Al says, you big baby. Brain damage doesn't set in for four minutes. Ask your sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that went quick. I think it probably went over, uh, like, people's heads. So now there's Peg and uh, Kelly 
and uh, you know they're throwing coins into the fountain. What kind of idiots would throw perfectly good money into a fountain? I hope we meet somebody really famous, like uh, Tammy Wynette. And Peg says she wants to meet somebody really famous like Tammy Wynette, and she effectively hits Tammy Wynette in the head with the coin. Yeah. So that sets up for we're going to see Tammy Wynette later. Tammy Wynette was an American country music singer-songwriter and one of the country's music's best-known artists and biggest-selling female singers. She was called the first lady of country music, and her best song, Stand By Your Man, is one of the best-selling hit singles by a woman in the history of country music. Many of her hits dealt with the classic themes of loneliness, divorce, and the difficulties of life and relationships. During the late 1960s and early 1970s, Wynette charted 20 number one songs in the Billboard country chart. Along with Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton, she is credited with having defined the role of women in country music during the 1970s. And, uh, you know, the, one of my favorite scenes in the Blues Brothers is when they're singing uh, her signature song, Stand By Your Man, <laughs> in, the, uh, in Bob's Country Bunker. I would like to do a favor of the horn section. That was one of yours. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman Giving all your love to just one Yeah, she's uh, she's one of the greats. I mean, you know, her and Dolly Parton, as you said, Reba McIntyre, Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn, they paved the way. Uh, you know, those ladies paved the way for the future uh, female stars like the Judds, uh, mm-hmm. Shania Twain. Miranda Car- Lambert, Carrie Underwood, Underwood yeah. and so on and so forth. So that, you know. That's your girl, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Everybody knows I love Carrie, you know. We've all heard the phrase, you know, founding fathers. You know, if you were to try to name the founding mothers, it would probably be Tammy Wynette, Dolly Parton, uh, Reba, 100%. Yeah. Loretta, uh, Loretta Lynn, Patsy Cline, those classic ladies that paved the way for some of the younger ones like Carrie Underwood and uh, Miranda Lambert and so on and so forth. 
Yeah, and you know, and one comment I'm going to make about uh, country music, you know, if you look, listen to what's today, what we call top 40, right? I mean, top 40 today is not like top 40 the way it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Because nowadays, top 40 is more genre-based. You know, like I, I think many people have options when it comes to radio, the same way they, ha- they do with television. So, you know, if you like, I'm going to use like horror films, for example. There's a horror channel and you could watch horror films all day long till the cows come home. But back in the, in the 70s in particular, when you talked about top 40, you could hear everything from... Rolling Stones, you know, ACDC to Frank Sinatra and somebody like Tammy Wynette, you know, there would be like effectively like song after song because that was what top 40 was. It was true top 40 songs across the country and that's what they would play. Whereas today, really, it's like if you have a special genre that you listen to. I mean, if you're listening to top 40 pop, it's not going to necessarily have country on it. It's not going to have rhythm and blues or any of the other styles of music that are out there so i'd say people like uh people who are older like again like myself like i'll i mean not that i think that i'm old right sheila uh, hey, i'm not old <laughs> but, if, but I'm not, if i'm not old you can't be old that that's right so i'm just saying it's like one of those things where you know we're familiar with you know i think like a person who's in their early 40s <laughs> or even late 30s you're familiar with these types of artists and um you know like whereas today uh someone like a like a Carrie Underwood are less likely to be crossovers you you, you follow what i'm saying yeah i do yeah. because there's so much more stratification in how artists are labeled and marketed so if you're not in like the niche of like what you're listening to like if you're in like the Billie Eilish or like Post Malone like there there's like some really like top 40 artists that come to mind right and then like you said going back into the previous century there was a difference in music where you could have these crossover artists like I remember like the first time I ever heard like Alan Jackson who's another country music great was with Jimmy Buffett when it was like it's five o'clock somewhere and it was like the late yeah. 90s and yeah I love like, Alan Jackson yeah was, that, but that I was mean, one of the first uh, as a kid that was one of the first concerts I ever saw at the rodeo was Alan Jackson way back in the early mid 90s somewhere around there yeah so but I mean for somebody like me a kid in New York City for me to hear Alan Jackson Jimmy Buffett had to team up with him Right. You know, so that's how like you got like sort of this cross pollination. I'm like, hey, who's this Alan Jackson guy? And then I was yeah. like, oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's great. Um, but I don't feel that you have sort of that cross genre pollination that happens that used to happen. Right? right. I don't feel that that's it's more like a song would be sampled now into a song. You'd be like, hey, what's that riff from? Where's that rhythm from? And then you would have to kind of do some digging to find out. But I don't feel it's as, as in your face as like an Alan Jackson, Jimmy Buffett, like crossover. Right. Yeah. The, the only one I can think of that, that really did a huge like career changing crossover in the last 20 years, I guess you could say, is Taylor Swift. I was going to say Tay Tay. Yeah. She started Correct. off in country and now is almost just universally known as like pop and rock now. Yeah. You know? Right. And that was very I mean, that was very targeted. I mean, that was a plan that, that they had to make her the superstar yeah but uh, you know and, and it's fine i mean i think she's a great singer I, i'm just saying like really like sheila i think you put it best the stratification 
uh, of music. And we saw this, and the same thing holds true in television. You know, we've talked about how Married with Children in its heyday would have maybe 20 million viewers on a Sunday night. You know, and now like a, a good sitcom is lucky if they get two. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very different world. Now we go back to the jokes between uh, Cletus and Bud. Spit out the fish. Spit it out. Either we all eat or none of us eat. I can't breathe. I know CPR. I mean, like, again, they stay on this whole deliverance theme the whole time. Where Bud says he can't breathe and Clark says, I know CPR. <laughs> <laughs> and Bud's faces throughout all of these exchanges are just, I guess, like, the, for me, that's the payoff. Because, like, there's the physical comedy from him and just, like, how upset he is with this whole thing. So I, I just enjoy the fact that they just focus on his face for each of these scenes. And it's just he's getting more and more uncomfortable with it. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, and like I said, it's just, I just feel like they just kept, you know, beating that horse. Uh, I I feel like it became too much by this point, but that's my opinion. I have a question. Did they know at this point when this episode aired if the, if the season was, um, if the series was going to end with season 11? Did they know this at this point? Okay. No, they didn't know until after they finished taping the 11th season. Oh, wow. Okay. It just wasn't renewed. Okay. I mean, they were hoping, I mean, when we spoke to the creator, he was gone, by the way, at that point. So this was a whole new set of producers. Which I guess makes sense then as to why the format kind of changed, the vision kind of changed. Yeah. Correct. But, you know, they were, he, I mean, what we asked him was, I mean, if you knew it was the end, I mean, what would you have done? And he just said that had they known that they were going to have a last episode or a last season, they probably would have come back to do some direction on it in terms of like maybe a story idea, maybe to close out the series, but Mm -hmm. that that wasn't the case. All right. So Al's collected $2 and he's ready to go to the all fried buffet. And he stopped because they've reached their weight limit. (laughs) $1.98, Gentlemen, start your fryers. I'm buffet bound. Get out your snack, dumpling. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard of sugarless gum? <gasps> oh no, Mama says that's a devil's candy. <laughs> Sorry, folks, we're closed. What do you mean you're closed? You let them in. And now we've reached our weight limit. <laughs> Peg, I'm starving. This is just like being at home, but with fringe. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. So the girl. So first of all, they talk about sugarless gum. So when they're referencing sugarless gum, they're talking about the brand Extra, which was launched in 1984 as the Wrigley Company's first ever sugar-free product and became one of the most popular brands of chewing gum in the U.S. within a few years. It was also the first sugar-free gum to not use saccharin, instead using the NutraSweet brand, a sweetener developed by G.D. Searle and company that had less bitterness and was believed to be safer in humans and laboratory animals. It was later reformulated as aspartame. How do you say that, Sheila? Aspartame. Aspartame in 1997. (laughs) 
Now, the girl who is talking to Kelly, she played Penelope. This is Nicole Nagorski. Uh, she played, she had a recurring role uh, as Penelope. Uh, she was the girl who opens up the episode in Nooner or Later that we reviewed, uh, Chris. Yeah, the, the one, come Penelope, let's go to a place where they treat us with respect. Correct. She also appears in Crimes Against Obesity. She returns with uh, the actress who played her mother when they yeah. put Al Bundy on trial. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's also uncredited in God Help Ye Mary Bundyman. Huh. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that was that was such a predictable joke when that that kid pulled out that drumstick. But I still laughed. That was so predictable, but I still laughed. <laughs> oh, now, now. So we don't get to eat. I mean, this is Branson. I'm sure we can find something else fun to do. Like what? Like sneaking into Hicks on ice? Wow. <laughs> And Al talks about sneaking into Hicks on ice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's a pun on Disney on Ice, which was originally known as Walt Disney World on Ice starting in 1981. It changed to its current name in 1998. So this is two years after this uh, episode aired. Where am I going to sleep tonight? I'm cold. I'm soaked. The desk clerk just offered to blow dry me. <laughs> You know, so now Bud's talking about how he's wet and cold and we have another one of these deliverance jokes. Now we cut to this little mini scene with uh, Al and uh, Kelly where uh, <laughs> it looks like uh, Kelly has, uh, uh, what's the word? It, it, it almost, it, I guess the insinuation almost is like she's prostituting herself and then instead she just <laughs> talks about how she's going to roll a couple of guys. <laughs> Well, you guys are on your own. I'm covered. Sweetheart, I'm surprised at you. Where have you been? Come on, Daddy. I'm not that kind of girl. Now I was just going to slip him a Mickey and roll him. That's my pumpkin. Now, these are Shriners. I mean, I don't know if you noticed that. There was a bunch of Shriners walking by. (laughs) I remember about, uh, I'm going to say this is in 1998, I was in Boston, and there was a Shriners convention. I had never seen thousands upon thousands of these guys with their fezes walking around. I don't know if, if any of you have ever experienced a Shriners, uh, Shriners convention. Uh, a convention, no, but I've, I've so. seen gaggles of them around, yes. <laughs> so they're like a... Um, they run like a charity type of thing where like they raise money for kids and they wear like the funny hats and they have these outlandish outfits. So it's supposedly it's, it's, it's a nice uh, thing, but uh, it was a little weird. I remember I was riding the T in Boston. Sheila, you said you were there recently. Yeah. Just last month. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like the only one on the, on that subway car, you know, who wasn't in a Shriners hat. And (laughs) I I was like, okay, I mean, am I missing something? You know, did I miss the memo or something? I don't know. (laughs) And Kelly talks about slipping them a Mickey and going to roll them. So now we found out about this uh, country music talent contest where the first prize is 500 bucks. Hey, now, wait a minute. Nobody's rolling anybody. We're on vacation. Hey, hey, look. They're having a country music talent contest tonight. Yeah, and the first prize is $500. Why don't we enter? Because we don't have any talent. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? Bud here does a solo act every night. 
Although, he hasn't won a contest for it since the Cub Scouts, but... Hey, Al, this talent show could save our vacation. We don't know anything about country music. We're just poor, simple folk with busted dreams and a broken Dodge driving down the turnpike of tears. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Al, yeah, and, and Al just says that, uh, I guess it's a masturbation joke, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then we're just poor, simple folk with busted dreams and a broken Dodge driving down the turnpike of tears. <laughs> Which well, if that doesn't much, sound like a country song, I don't know what does. Yeah, I was about to say, that's pretty <laughs> much every country song ever. I mean, I guess the genre has changed a little bit uh, over the years now. It's like I was talking to someone recently. I was telling them, I was like, with the females now, their songs are more about like getting revenge on an ex-boyfriend or something like that, you know. But yeah, that sounds like every classic country song ever made. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. The classic country. That's right. And probably like when the genre started to change, right? Mm-hmm. So now we uh, have a new set presented to us, and it's a stage. All right. And uh, mm-hmm. the new singing sensation, The Jugs. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Let's have a hand for our last entry. A new mother and daughter singing sensation, The Jugs. on the Judds. So you want to take that, Chris? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's funny how, you, how they use the Hooter references for themselves. <laughs> but uh, the Judds were an American country music duo comprised of Naomi Judd and her daughter, Winona Judd. The duo signed to RCA Records in 1983 and released six studio albums between then and 1991. The Judds were one of the most successful acts in country music history, winning five Grammy Awards for Best Country Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal and eight Country Music Association Awards. They also had 25 singles on the country music charts between 1983 and the year 2000, of which 14 went number one. After eight successful years as a duet, the Judds ceased performing in 1991 after Naomi was diagnosed with Hepatitis C. Soon after, Winona embarked on a highly successful solo career, and the two have occasionally reunited for special tours, the most recent of which began in late 2010. 
And uh, a note here that Annabelle added, uh, Rockin' with the Rhythm of the Rain was a number one country single for the Judds back in 1986. Right. And Naomi Judd uh, recently committed suicide. Uh, that was on April 30th of this year, 2022. And it was the day before she and Wyona were supposed to have been inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was uh, really sad. It was a colossal loss for the country music family, you know. Hated to see it happen like that. It was very sad. I mean, later on, we'll see like Al's uh, a coat of the jugs, right? <laughs> Which is like a Biggins, uh, you know, yeah. uh, a magazine. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll pick up my eggs. We got us a winner. The jugs. Actually, I handle the jugs. I'm Pa Jug. <laughs> I created the jugs. Hey, Jughead. I had to sleep with these jugs to create that jug. Yeah, and then we just have like a little bit of dialogue. Uh, Al calls Bud Jughead. So uh, that's a character from Archie's comics. And, you know, Al has made mention of other characters from the comments, most notably Veronica, uh, who was a girl who had no uh, period. (laughs) (laughs) And that was in the episode of Period Peace in season three. I don't know. What do you think of that, Sheila? <laughs> what, the whole like Jugs thing play on the Judds? Well, either that or the Veronica <laughs> reference. <laughs> oh, the Veronica reference. Uh, well, I just thought like the whole like takeoff like of the, the Judds as the Jugs was hilarious because even the way that then like, well, Peggy's hair kind of looks like Naomi's hair, like with the red color. And then like the way that Kelly's hair was done up was very much in, in like sort of the aesthetic that the Judds kind of held themselves. I thought that was very funny. But no, I, Al just comes out with these zingers. And I just like, I sometimes like, if you're not paying close attention, like Jughead, like you would just, if you're not aware that the Archie comics are a thing, it would have flown over your head just as probably part of one of the, like the Jug jokes. That's not easy to say, the Jug jokes. <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue the right no, way. No, it, it doesn't. But um, yeah, so you have to pay attention to these these little zingers to see where they're coming from, too. So, you know, you have to be uh, you have to be on your toes around Al Bundy. Not <laughs> <laughs> only are you going to open for Tammy Wynette tomorrow night in the big room, but if she takes a shine to you, she'll take you on her next world tour. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I always want to drive to Europe. Oh, my God. <laughs> Great Mall of China. <laughs> and I'll audition all the backup singers and learn to say, uh, can we try a topless in 40 different languages? Uh, hey, in Japanese, it's Ashi wo Mimi no Oshi Rone Okemaska. So now, like, you know, Peggy and uh, Kelly win this contest. Peg says that she's going to make millions and see the Great Mall of China. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Bud says that I'll audition the backup singers and learn how to say, can we do a topless in 40 different languages? And <laughs> Kelly's knows how to say it in Japanese. Uh, so, uh, Chris, you want to try the uh, Google translation that uh, Annabelle popped up there? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, to- Toparusi de Tamshiites Mamasin Ka. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take a crack at it? <laughs> You're usually better at pronouncing them than those of me. Topurescu de tamashite mimasenka. All right. I like your version better. <laughs> if we if we have any uh, Japanese um, listeners, uh, please correct us. 
<laughs> or maybe send in a clip. You know, we'll play it. <laughs> so supposedly, what she says there actually translates to, can you raise your feet behind your ears? <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I went looking it up because I was like, yeah, it's like, let me see, like, trivia for this episode. And it, that translation comes up and says it roughly translates to, can you raise your your feet behind your ears? I was going to say, I have, I have a few Japanese friends. I could probably get one of them to, to send something in. It'd be pretty kind of funny if you want. <laughs> so before we move on from Branson, I wanted to talk about Al dressed up as the colonel. Because you mentioned you mentioned something earlier, Luigi, that, you know, like Elvis has left the building, right? Yep. So the colonel is Elvis's manager. Correct. Um, and, you know, he dressed he was he was a circus performer back in the day. So he was always a little bit of an oddball. He had like a very loud kind of a personality and he dressed very loud as well. So this kind of was a hand in hand with how Al was behaving when he was uh, the colonel managing the jugs. <laughs> Right, and that's Colonel Tom Parker. Now, yes, uh, he's play. Uh, Tom Hanks plays him in the new Elvis film that's out. Now, have yeah. you seen that? Yes, I have. it's fantastic. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's it, it gives me a better understanding of of why Elvis, you know, how how his life kind of fell apart in his final years and everything, yeah. just from a financial standpoint and a a health standpoint and so on and so forth. It's very very sad, but an ex- excellent movie though, no doubt. Yeah, and I learned how this this manager, uh, Colonel Parker, stymied his career so yeah. much so that Elvis never toured the world. He barely left the country, yeah, ever. And and he was a megastar. I mean, there was nobody like him before, and yeah. just the wattage that this man put out, and to you know have him never be in England, never be in France, never go, have gone to Japan, any of these places where they were screaming for him to come. Yeah. It's just, it's insane, like how the world was robbed of this man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it, it's amazing. He, uh, up to that point in his career, no entertainer had ever made the amount of money that he made. And he, when he died, he was practically broke. I mean, yeah. the, only thing, the only thing that saved uh, the family fortune was... Uh, what Priscilla. Was Priscilla, yeah, Priscilla. That's right. She, and she was his ex at that point. Yeah, she saved the family fortune. If it weren't for, if it weren't for her, I mean, he would have completely died broke and the family would be broke to this day probably yep and she's the one who started the legacy of graceland and yeah yep. she she deserves a lot of credit for why we know elvis today yeah exactly yeah. absolutely so now we cut back to the bundy living room and there's jefferson and marcy continuing to role play as alan peg now get me some bonbons get yourself <laughs> Pathetic loser. Human tar pit. <laughs> Take me. <laughs> oh, I finally understand why they're still married. Yeah. Okay, I think we've hit all the bunny basics. What's left? Well, uh, we haven't let the dog detail the Darcy's Mercedes lately. <laughs> Let's do it. Who's going to stop us? That candy-ass Jefferson? (laughs) Or Marcy, that pinstripe henpecker? (laughs) Do you ever wonder why that lazy parasite Jefferson can never hold down a job? (laughs) 
other than being Marcy's human rotisserie. And trust me, whatever she's paying him, it's not enough. <laughs> Jefferson, you went past the safe place. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lammykins. You're so good at this, I, I got carried away. So you were just role-playing? Of course. Get away from me, Peg! You hopeless Oprah-holic! Oh, yeah. In this scene, Jefferson and Marcy it's, I guess, we make this comment here. It's role-playing gone amok. <laughs> a very delicate way to put yeah. it. Yeah, now, I mean, I, I want to keep this clean, I guess, uh, since this is supposed to be a clean podcast, right? I mean, have you ever heard of, like, people doing role-playing, you know? Uh, I mean, I guess it's one of those personal things, right? But, uh, uh, I, mean, like, you, you, I mean, you hear stories, but, like, I don't think people necessarily... Um, uh, admit to it but it's yeah, like, i don't know if they talk about it so much but it exists yeah and i acknowledge that it exists but i guess what to me the funniest thing about this is if you think about the humor of it i mean i can see like somebody role-playing like doing a role-play of somebody famous right like a mm -hmm. or, like, or a situation i mean you always hear about you know the the cop and the hooker or like but even in like Friends, like Friends a couple of years before this episode. Well, yeah, right around probably this, the same year or so within a year or two of this episode airing, like Ross and Rachel did the famous, she dressed up as Princess Leia in the bikini. Like that's like the role play that, you know, we kind of saw. Right. And like usually it's a but movie or something like that. Yeah. Right. And like, I mean, in this case, it's like they're role playing the neighbors. like Which is <laughs> so funny. So next level. That I've, I've like then that's something I've never heard before. I mean, you've heard even mentioned through the years in Married with Children, like the cop and the hooker. Like mm -hmm. th these are these are things that uh, Marcy and Steve did together, and then Marcy and Jefferson. But you know the fact that now they're role playing <laughs> the next door neighbors. That I thought that I think <laughs> brought it to another level, and that to me is what made it funny. Yeah, I want to know where Marcy got her wig because that was spot on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> No doubt about it. That, this was this was uh, laugh out loud funny. Now that Peg and Kelly have won this contest, they're being put up in the Tammy Wynette suite. There's my little musical meal ticket. Now look what I had made up for you. They're great, Daddy. <laughs> Compliments of Miss Tammy Wynette. You know, Al, I'm so excited about going on tour, but I hate the thought of leaving you at home for a whole year. Your career comes first, Pookie. I don't mind sacrificing. <laughs> Mom? Kelly? Tom Arnold? <laughs> hey, he earned his money. <laughs> I, as your agent, your creator, the sole reason you exist, would like to present to you your future. <gasps> oh my God, 99 cent shrimp cocktails. <laughs> What's the big deal? Anybody can put up a sign. I got your name mentioned in the Branson Bugle. Let me see this. <coughs> this is so low. You're both six months pregnant by Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> then how come mom's showing and I'm not? <laughs> I am not showing. 
and you are grounded. Calm down, Mom. It's bad for the baby. Oh, Kelly, you're not really pregnant. Whew, we squeaked by that one, eh, Mom? Good. You got that sign all wrong. I shouldn't be her mother. <laughs> That's what child welfare said. Why can't Kelly be the mom? I can't be your mother. I mean, that would make me my own grandmother. Well, we are in Branson. These things happen. Why are you taking her side? Now, you told me that I was the talented, pretty one. Hey, and you told me that that stupid, cheap blonde was holding me back. Wait a minute, you added a stupid, cheap blonde to the act? Why wasn't I told? Now, see, that's the reason why you shouldn't be the manager. You are driving a wedge between the jugs. <laughs> You're fired. You can't fire me. Only they can fire me. You're fired. <laughs> huh? You know what? You can go on the road with them, Dad. You see, it's bad ideas like that got you fired. <laughs> uh, Al says, your career comes first, Pookie. I was talking about, like, I don't mind sacrificing his mom, Kelly, and Tom Arnold. So the, <laughs> so the reference to Tom Arnold is that, if I remember correctly, was it Tom uh, Roseanne's, like, manager, I think, when they were married? Yes. I, th- I, think, I think he had some role in her career, yes. That sounds right. Feels right. right, and again, and I think part of the joke is that Tom would have been of no Tom Arnold would have been a nobody if he hadn't married Roseanne Barr, and um, they met uh, at first when uh, Roseanne when Tom saw Roseanne's act in 1983, and the relationship was complicated by his alcoholism and drug addiction, but eventually became sober. They married in 1990 and divorced in 1994, and they've been mentioned a number of times on Married with Children. So there you go. They were a big pop culture lightning rod, I suppose. I like the zinger. It's like, he earned his money. <laughs> That's right. He did. It's so wrong, but it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then the coat, then, you know, the, the coat with the, the horseshoes that look like a pair of jugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like garish. I mean, like, I mean, that's just like garish funny. Like, I mean. Yeah, that, but it that, feels that, like that, on brand for Al Bundy, definitely. Right, right. And like I said, I, I don't know. Hacky, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like at this point, season 11, it's just so over the top. You know, like, I mean, like this is the guy who in the early seasons is like sort of sneaking his Biggins magazines away, right? Like he, yeah. he tries to do it in secret. Now all of a sudden it's just, he's just way out, way out there, right? He just doesn't care. No filter. And they talk about, you know, the, uh, the mention in the Branson Bugle and how both the girls, so this is Peggy and Kelly, are six months pregnant by Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned this, Luigi, or not, but uh, the Branson Bugle is an actual publication. <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, I it is? <laughs> yeah, I looked, I, I looked it up. I just Googled it out of, out of just pure curiosity. It's, it literally is a publication. It's all online now, but uh, yeah, I just, you can go to Brant, well, it's, you type in BransonChamber.com online, but it comes up and it shows the Branson Bugle <laughs> and a guy playing a bugle right there on the cover. All right, so there's uh, life imitating uh, art. Yep. Actually, no, art limitating life, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Although it would have been funny if it was the other way around, right? Right. Right. There, there was no Branson Bugle and now there is because of <laughs> Yeah, now, uh, so Billy Ray Chris, you want to tell us about Billy Ray Cyrus? Yeah. So, Billy Ray Cyrus is an American singer, songwriter, and actor. 
He has released 16 studio albums and 53 singles since 1992 and is known for his number one single, Achy Breaky Heart, which became the first single to ever achieve triple platinum status in Australia. It was also the best-selling single in the same country in 1992. Due to the song's music video, the line dance rose in popularity. He is the father to Miley Cyrus, who introduced twerking to the world. So, <laughs> something funny I can tell you is Achy Breaky Heart was so big, like when I was in elementary school and middle school, like that was like when I, uh, whenever I joined middle school band in fifth grade, that was one of the first songs that we learned to play. Like I played the trombone back then, but Achy Breaky Heart was one of the first songs we learned to play. But did we, did we not talk about this? I used to play the trombone. Oh yeah, really? That's so yes, funny. Yes, for I, a very long time. I, I I still have mine. I mean, God I do help too. us. Yeah, if I ever try attempted to blow in it now, God help anyone that was listening. <laughs> oh, I I, uh, I yanked that thing out of the attic during the pandemic. I introduced my son to it, and he he was able to get some good sounds out of it. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's would not be pretty if I blew into it now. But you know, it's fu- It's so funny. Billy Ray Cyrus was so big in the '90s, but mm-hmm. now most people. Unless you were alive in the 90s, most people now refer to him as Miley Cyrus's father yep. <laughs> because she's gotten so big. You know what I mean? I mean, she's yeah. known around the world now, you know, in every pop culture reference imaginable. But if I had to choose between uh, doing the line dance to Achy Breaky Heart, uh, break, Achy Breaky Heart and twerking, I'll, I'll do Achy Breaky Heart first. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Now, you know, Chris, if I remember correctly, one of the first podcasts that you and I did together, you know, you introduced yourself as Billy Ray Chris because uh, that was that was the episode when uh, Bud, you know, he was having his whole identity crisis. He was yep. Joey Bud of and, you know, uh, uh, Tito Bundy, et cetera. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. So that's how I remembered that. And, um, you know, so we have a reference to Billy Ray Cyrus. So right. there was Billy Ray Bundy. Uh, was uh, one of the uh, uh, characters that Bud also played. Well, this is Billy Ray Chris. <laughs> it's been a while since I said that, hasn't it? <laughs> That's right. I remembered that. <laughs> as as uh, as uh, well, Sheila can tell you I have an excellent memory, right? Yeah. Very spot on. Yeah, and uh, you know, so one of the comments also, and Annabelle made this comment here. You know, Kelly says, how come mom's showing and I'm not? And she thinks it's a probable reference to Katie Seagal having had a baby a few months prior. Ah, good observation. Uh-oh. I'm Tony Lynette, and I just want to stop by and meet my new opening act. Hi. Hi. Which jug are you? Oh, uh, she's the junior jug. <laughs> she's the Jurassic jug. <laughs> girls, girls, girls. I'm Colonel Jug, and it's a thrill to meet you, Ms. Wynette. Oh, yeah. We just love your music. As a matter of fact, Al and I can't make love without listening to your CD. Well, as long as you're listening. Well, she listens. I stare at your picture. <laughs> I'm delighted and disgusted at the same time. <laughs> well, now you know what sex with Al is like. <laughs> you know, she actually did. You know, Tammy Wynette did have a line that made me laugh out loud. When uh, Whenever Peg said... Uh, uh, Al and I can't make love unless unless we're listening to your CD. 
And she said, uh, trust me, I'm delighted and disgusted at the same time. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. That was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, no, yeah, because she said, as long as you're listening. Yeah, as long as you're listening. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and Al says, and I stare at your picture. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'm delighted and, her and disgusted face is at the perfect. same time. <laughs> yeah, her, but her face, when she's like listening to all this and digesting it, she just looks so disgusted. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the thing with Tammy Wynette acting in this is that her lines are sarcasm. Like she's supposed to like she's supposed to deliver sarcasm. So she's not supposed to like smile. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and that to me is like where uh, the acting wasn't spot on. Now, Tammy died about a year or so, like a year, year and a half after this episode. So that was tragic. Yeah. She was like in her mid 50s at the time. Yeah. She had some health problems. Yeah. Um in her life. I, I read up on her a little bit before this. She, she struggled with some, some health challenges. So, you know, that was sad. Shame to see. So now there's a, a, a reference to Al referring to himself as Colonel Jug. So that, uh, Sheila, goes back to Colonel Tom Parker and you, what you just talked about. Oh, but very quickly, just to, to link this back to the country music legends, Miley Cyrus, her godmother is Dolly Parton. Really? Yes. I didn't yes. know that. That's, that's yes. Right. Um, yes, they became uh, Dolly Parton and Billy Ray Cyrus became friends uh, as a result of, you know, his him being in the business, her being in the business. And they became very close. And then when Miley came along, he asked her to be Miley's godmother. and She said yes. Yeah, that's great. Didn't know that. So we're just we're just linking all those rock you know, country legends in here. Uh-huh. And- <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and one uh, piece of useless information, uh, Sheila, you talked about Colonel Tom Parker. He died one month after this episode aired. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> That's uh, serendipity, I suppose, or synchronicity. Synchronicity. I just think it'd be so cute to have a mother and daughter duo to open up my show. Well, you know, actually, we're more like a sister act. Oh, you do comedy too? <laughs> so now Tammy Wynette comes in. And I will say she's a good singer. I don't think she's a good actress, though. <laughs> So something I noticed, and now I, I could be totally off on this, but maybe people can, you know, some some people that have watched the episode, uh, re, you know, recently, it, it looked like Tammy Wynette. You know how? Did you notice how she was holding that CD? It it looked like she was glancing down at it to look at her notes. <laughs> did anyone else? Oh, uh, like, to look, to look I at didn't her, pick up on that. To look at her lines. Now I don't. I'm not. I don't mean that in a mean way or anything, but. And I could totally be off, but I thought I caught her looking down at the CD a few times to, you know, I assume to read her lines off of it. But <laughs> that and, would you know, make sense only because, like, I didn't feel that she was a very natural actress. Right. I mean, correct. Like she, she that, felt yeah. nervous to me. Yeah. And That's I don't mean right. that in a critical way. She's not an no, actress. No, and I wasn't and, taking and, it that way, know, but like, I can definitely see that being a thing. <laughs> right. And, and for all we know, they may have flown her in that day and given her her lines 30 minutes before she even, you know, to, walked out on stage, you know, but quite it, possible. It, it, it looked like she was looking at her, at her lines on the, on the other side. Of the oh, I'm going to go back and watch Chris. That's a very eagle eyed observation. <laughs> but yeah, watch, watch it and tell me and again, I could totally be wrong, but watch it and let me know what you think. <laughs> Colonel, handle this. Hey, you guys, I have an idea. Miss Wynette can be our mother. Yeah. No, I can't. Well, you don't have to decide right now. Take him on the road for a year. Give him a try. Free of charge. Hey, what kind of manager are you? Yeah, Daddy. You're fired. 
Bud, handle this. Timmy, babe. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way. You give my girls your best shot, and I'll give you my best shot. But I thought you were dating the desk clerk. I read it in the Branson Bugle. <laughs> You know, and even Tammy Wynette has to throw in uh, a line about uh, she heard that Bud was dating the desk, desk clerk uh, in the Branson Bugle. <laughs> now, you see, like, to me, it's like at the beginning of the episode, if like when we meet the desk clerk, Cletus, like if we if we didn't have the stuff in the middle and then like that showed up there, that to me would have been more of a grand slam. Yeah. Because like, you know, all of a sudden you have to remember back. Oh, you know, they made a joke. Right. Jokes. Yeah. Bingo. Right. Because you've been so saturated the whole episode. Every time you see Bud on screen, we got these Cletus jokes. I mean, it, it's to me, it doesn't make it as funny anymore. Yeah, they wore yeah. it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tammy, the colonel has a better idea. Why don't you just take me? I mean, I can't dance or sing or play an instrument, but how tough can that be? Besides, I look great in this outfit. Get it, get it. The deal's off. Oh, Lord, save me from the wannabes. Hey, hey, now, you can call us a lot of things. You can call us worthless, lazy, sloppy, and that's just the wife. Right. <laughs> the one thing you can't call us is wannabes. We may not be big country superstars with a big fancy house or a car that runs or food or... <laughs> oh, my God, we don't have any... Not true, son. Lady, we have something that you'll never have. What? Worse foot odor than boxcar, really? <laughs> Okay, two things, the odor, of course. <laughs> More importantly, the security of knowing that we can never fail because we never try. <laughs> and, you know, one line that she says, you know, uh, Al says, lady, we have something that you'll never have. And she says, what, foot, word, foot odor worse than boxcar Willie? <laughs> so that's uh, another boxcar Willie reference, like in season nine, episode nine, No Pot to Peasin, one of my favorite episodes from season nine. And uh, Peg, if you remember in that episode, was waiting for boxcar Willie tapes to arrive from the home shopping network. <laughs> <laughs> People are nuttier than a pecan log at Stuckey's. <laughs> you know, so now here they are. I mean, they show that they're a bunch of wannabes, and Tammy Wynette calls them out on that. And she says, you people are nuttier than a pecan log at Stuckey's. <laughs> now, actually, let, let's take a step back. How do you pronounce that word? Uh, I, I say pecan, but I've heard pecan, I've heard, you know, pecan, I've heard both. I say pecan. All right. I say pecan, and I've been told by people from the South that a pecan is something that you do in an outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So broadcasting live from my outhouse. Uh, <laughs> my question is uh, Stuckies. Now, uh, is there a Stuckies by you, Chris? You know, I thought about this. No, there's definitely not one now, but I feel like I've seen those in the past, but it it feels like it's like in the like the, the back of my memory. Like it's, it feels like it's been a while, but I there's not one near me now. But I do feel like I've seen one at some point. So Stuckey's is a roadside convenience store chain found on highways throughout the United States. 
Stores are concentrated in the southeast, southwest, and midwest, although operations have existed as far east as Connecticut and as far west as Oregon. And now you got me wondering. I'm going to see how I'm going to pull up Google Maps here while we're doing this <laughs> and just see. On the spot reconnaissance. I like that, it. That, that's right. So, so oddly enough, there is uh, one uh, 54 miles from me. That makes sense. It's it's on I-10 on the way to Louisiana. So that makes sense. I probably saw it on one of my road trips to Lake Charles or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, one. what? Well, I mean, if if you're ever interested in having a Slim Jim one day, maybe you can uh, do some reconnaissance and, uh, you know, we'll put that video up on the Married with Children podcast YouTube page, right? All right. <laughs> See, now, if it was a Cracker Barrel, I would drive the 54 miles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cracker Barrel is definitely more plentiful in my area. And uh, Waffle Houses. <laughs> I don't know. Have either of you guys ever eaten at a Waffle House before? Uh, I have uh, had I bad have. indigestion. I was going to yeah. say, no, that, that's an experience right there. <laughs> I, I really wanted to wait until, like, the hurricane was bearing down, but, you know, it wasn't the right time of year for me. <laughs> well, where, do you, where do you live, by the way, uh, Sheila? Uh, I'm in New York. I live on Long Island. Oh, okay, cool. I, I, I uh, Long Island. I got to say it correctly. I got to say, like, Long Island. Okay. I live on Long Island. I take it Waffle Houses are probably not big on Long Island, I'm guessing. No. There, there, there are none. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had my Waffle House experience in Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> I was in Atlanta the last time I, I was at a Waffle House. A Actually, hell, my first and last. It's a hell of an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's it's something not to be missed. Maybe not repeated, but... <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, Chris, were you on the episode when we talked about uh, Puggy Weaver when he died, um, you know, trying to eat, you know, the eight... Um, uh, swallow the eight waffles? <laughs> You know, that was, uh, and I had just come back from Atlanta on that, on that time, and I had eaten at a Waffle House. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I, right. I, I recorded that episode with the Australians. Remember, okay. we had the little memorial to Puggy Weaver. Okay. <laughs> My favorite one-hit wonder, Sheila. <laughs> he was a world-famous bowler, Jim's Bowlerama. <laughs> he died a champion. So now we find out that... Uh, uh, Tammy Wynette uh, sort of dumps the Bundys, and now they need to uh, square away the tab with Cletus. Well, now what do we do? I suppose you're going to blame this on me. I suppose it's your fault. Excuse me, folks. <laughs> Seeing as how you're no longer on Miss Wynette's tab, how do you propose to settle this bill? <laughs> 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 and uh, again, we get the close-up on Bud's face because it's sort of the look of uh, horror. <laughs> so in our last scene now, we cut back to the Bundy house and the Bundys enter. <sighs> Great vacation, Peg! <laughs> I think the highlight had to be begging for gas on the corner of Tony Orlando and Don. <laughs> there was this one little thing, I don't know if you caught this, but... You know, Al says, you know, great vacation, Peg. The highlight had to be begging for gas on the corner of Tony Orlando and Dawn. <laughs> so, Tony Orlando and Dawn is an American pop music group that was popular in the 1970s. Their signature hits include Candida, Knock Three Times, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree, Say Has Anybody Seen My Sweet Gypsy Rose, and 
He Don't Love You Like I Love You. Now, in season four, episode 17, you got to know when to fold them. And we talked about that earlier in this. There was a reference to Tony Orlando. And this is when, like, there was, like, a louncing or a woman who says... Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with more of our special tribute. Tony Orlando, genius or madman? (laughs) (laughs) So so somebody liked to rag on Tony Orlando for some reason, right? Some of the writers got a beef with him or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like with Joe Piscopo, right? I mean, he's... He's been ragged. He's like, I think, the number one um, uh, target of the writer's wrath. Uh, I forget. It was one of the female writers was a Saturday Night Live writer. And any any chance she could get to throw a a dig at at Joe Piscopo, she did. Quit complaining. At least you didn't have to take a canoe trip with the desk clerk. (laughs) By the way, bud, I gave him our address. Well, he said he wanted to write you. Well... As soon as someone learns him his letters. <laughs> you know, I thought it was a great vacation. I mean, we went to Branson and told off Tammy Wynette. It's kind of like going to Disneyland and giving Mickey the finger. <laughs> we, we find out that uh, <laughs> Bud uh, is, uh, what was he, was supposed to have a canoe trip with the, the desk clerk? <laughs> oh, it and- happens. Yeah, and uh, and Peg is very happy about having gone to Branson. She said it's like going to Disneyland and giving Mickey the finger. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we hear Marcy's voice yelling out, Al. Al! Get back here! We're not finished yet! Oh. <laughs> yes, we are. What you doing? <laughs> oh, it's just a long, boring story. Does it end with we're degenerate perverts? <laughs> oh, so you've heard this one. Bye. <laughs> hey, Mom, Dad, wait up. Wait. <laughs> Uh, and then of course you know kelly goes running after them it's like hey mom dad wait up (laughs) (laughs) that was a great ending that was a very very good ending did you notice that peg and marcy were wearing the same shirt and so was alan jefferson yes well yeah i mean that's a given because like that's al's uniform but you know peg at least you know mixes it up a little sometimes she wears you know the cheetah leggings versus the cheetah top you know Yeah, no, they they did that very well. And you're right. The wig on Marcy was perfect, spot on. Yes. And like I said, I really give Amanda Burris a lot of credit on that. I mean, I think she did a fantastic job. Yeah. Like you said, like that was that was the home run out of the party. Like that's the memorable part of this episode for me. Right. And less so than Branson. (laughs) Right. But but, you know, we'll talk about that when we do our reviews when we come back. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, 
Just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. And we're back. So, Chris, uh-huh. out of five, from one to five or less, <laughs> how many jugs do you rate this episode? Well, pairs like- of jugs, by the way. No, it's pairs of jugs, of course, right? Pairs of yeah. jugs, okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't have like a, an odd number of jugs. I would just. Be- <laughs> <laughs> how many pairs? One on the back jugs? for dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you. Generally speaking, I'm not a fan of season 11, uh, and and we've uh, we've talked about the reasons why. There's there's no sense in rehashing all that here. But with that said, I really enjoy this episode. I, I feel like this is definitely one of the stronger episodes, and and it does have some of the same problems as as the rest of season 11. You know, we spoke about a little bit about that earlier. You know, the they hit the home runs, but they don't have the singles and the doubles along the way to connect it all. But I found this episode to be very funny. It had some very good laugh-out-loud moments. The role-playing between uh, Jefferson and uh, Marcy as uh, Alan Pegg was A1. Anyone who listens knows that I'm a country music fan, so I I did particularly enjoy the uh, Branson, Missouri uh, scenes. I enjoyed all the references to country music. It it was corny and over-the-top, and and, and some of it was pretty far-fetched, no doubt. But I did enjoy it. And I even, you know, something we didn't really talk about is uh, when uh, Peg and Kelly were on stage uh, singing, uh, uh, singing the famous song by, by the Judds. I really enjoyed that. It was corny. It was over the top. You know, it was purposely done that way. But I enjoyed it. Ironically, uh, uh, Katie Segal is actually a pretty good singer in real life. So <laughs> it was kind of funny how, how goofy they were singing that. But I really enjoyed that. I found it to be funny. And the episode had a very strong ending with them coming back and catching uh, Marcy and Jefferson role-playing there and Al calling them degenerate perverts and then Kelly getting confused as they walked out. I really like this episode. I'm going to give it four pairs of jugs out of five. And this is um, one of my favorite episodes of season 11. So I really enjoyed it. It's it's always one that I look forward to. And I'm glad that... uh, our team got to review it. So four out of five for me. All right. Very good. All right. So Sheila, how many pairs of jugs do you rate this episode? <laughs> you know, I'm going to go with four as well. Um, and the only detraction that I have is that the deliverance jokes did kind of run a little bit long and they could have been a, probably a little bit more strategically positioned where we could have brought that back with the what we talked about before with, with oh I heard that you were with the desk clerk or the bands the Branson Bugler I think that would have been so much more of a of a hit in terms of like where the joke lands as opposed to oh it's another deliverance joke that's really my only criticism of the episode like it just felt like they they had the shtick and they just really wanted to run with it that being said the the Marcy and the Jefferson segment of this was just gold. I laughed out loud every single time. Jefferson from his vocal impersonation of Al, just him just saying, you know, hey, Peg, just the way he said it, I was already laughing before I even saw anybody uh, because he just nailed it so perfectly. 
I enjoyed the 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 Branson the talent show. I thought the 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 performance by by Peg and Kelly was really good. Like you said, Chris, it was over the top, but that's what we want. That's what we expect from Married with Children. So I enjoyed I enjoyed the just the play on words here it was just it was funny for me with you know the jugs versus the juds and then them coming out looking like them it's just you know it's just so classic married with children comedy that i appreciated that that level of detail that they went to and even Tammy Wynette, like I know that she was struggling a little bit, maybe with her her lines and her role here, and she might have been a little nervous. But I mean, she does land some zingers, and I, I got the sarcasm, and I appreciated them bringing in such a living legend to to introduce her to a new legion of fans. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give this four out of five jugs. Pairs of jugs, right? Oh yes, I'm sorry. Although, although, mm-hmm. but, 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 but at least four is still an even number, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, a plastic surgeon's dream. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so I'm. Um, I'll give my number at the end. I I had a couple of issues with this, and I did talk about that as we went along. I mean, I think that. The deliverance jokes, I think, were funny at the beginning. I just feel like they kept beating it like a dead horse. And I feel like from a comedy perspective, they could have moved on and maybe come back to it, which to me is a much better formula. And that's more of the classic Married with Children formula. A couple of things I didn't like about the episode. If you remember in the scene when uh, Peg and Kelly are singing, the MC comes out and He's really, really corny. I mean, yeah. the, the, the the whole setup looked more like a classic sitcom, like a classic corny family sitcom, the way they were talking. You know, like, in other words, the people in Branson. And, you know, what I was expecting more of would have been more like some more biting sarcasm, like stuff to make it funny. It's almost like, think of the MC, you know, how the MC played the role. And then think of, like, David Leisure, when he was in the episode uh, Just Married with Children, when uh, the, the game show episode. Remember that one, Chris? Yep. Uh-huh. You know, so like, remember like the sarcasm, like how he delivered that? Or Bill Maher, when he was in the episode mm-hmm. with uh, Rodrigo. Yeah. I, I don't know, uh, Sheila, if you know those episodes I'm talking about. Uh, one, of, one of the episodes is when like uh, Alan Pegg go on a game show. And like uh, Peg is strapped to a wheel and like, you know, Al like uh, <laughs> spins her around like infinitely for a bowling ball. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's another one where like Bud goes on like a dating game and it's almost like the match uh, love connection. <laughs> it, it, it was it was, you know, to me, it's like if you would have put David Leisure in that <laughs> and delivered like the lines of sarcasm, I think it would have made it funnier. But yeah. it was just like it was a little goofy. Yeah. So uh, those were the things that I didn't like about the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a tough customer when it comes to that. But I mean, but then when you look at what's happening in the living room with Marcy and Jefferson, I mean, that's just comedy gold. Yeah. You know? So so I was really torn when it came time to a rating on this episode. And I will I'm going to be generous and give it a three. I mean, it's okay. okay. I was going to go a little lower to two and a half jugs, but I figure three pairs. <laughs> you can't have a half a jug. <laughs> that would be interesting. Two and a half jugs right there. All right. Yeah. So I'll go with three pairs. All right. Okay. That's good. So, so th- that, uh, I mean, th- that, that should make it, uh, 
uh, more of an even number, right? When you multiply by two. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so that was our review of uh, The Jugs Have Left the Building. So Sheila, thank you so much for joining us as always. You know, we appreciated you on the last uh, episode review we did with you. And thanks again for coming on for our final season, season 11. Uh, so you want to tell our fans uh, where they can find you in podcast land again? Sure thing. Thank you so much for having me on. I enjoy this so much. I have so much fun talking to you guys about Married with Children. It brings me back to my childhood. <laughs> as uh, maybe misguided as Luigi and I were watching this at nine years old. But <laughs> I just appreciate the, the time that you guys have given me. And if you can have me back for one more, I'd be welcome to do that. It'd be awesome to, to kind of help you guys close this out. And then as far as where you can find me, uh, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Shields McGangster on Twitter or at Pod Clubhouse. You can find what I do over there. And thanks again for having me. Are you on? Uh, are you on Instagram by chance, Sheila? I am Shields McGangster as well over there. <laughs> how do I? How do I spell that? Shields S H E I L S, and then McGangster M C G A N G S T E R. Awesome. I'm gonna give <laughs> you a call a, right now. Yes, please do. It was given to me as a, a nickname. My last name is McGann, and one of my coworkers says he called me McGangster one day, and it just stuck. <laughs> All right. I'm as far from anything gangster-like as possible, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, well, you're from Queens, right? So gangster enough for me, right, Sheila? There you go. Fun having you, Sheila. I'm uh, fun working with you again, and uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad we got to do this episode, of Luigi, because this is one of my favorites from season 11, and uh, you know, it's good to record again. It feels like it's been a while, so glad to be back in the game. <laughs> yep, and we'll be back in two weeks reviewing Crimes Against Obesity. But next week, Team Australia will be reviewing God Help Ye Merry Bundy Men. <laughs> Take that's a Christmas episode. <laughs> that's right. So it's Christmas, and Al doesn't want a Christmas tree, and the rest of the family does. Marcy is determined to win the neighborhood decorating contest. Gary hires two young guys, Hal and Biff, to help Al and Griff at the shoe store. Someone, actually Bud and Kelly, kidnaps Mary and Joseph from Marcy's nativity scenes and demands $500 in ransom. Hal and Biff turn out to be such good workers that Gary decides to replace Alan Griff with them permanently. So thank you all and tune in again next week. As always, same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.